Welcome to Messy Lives and Happy Vibes with Kim and Rachel. The goal with this podcast is to make you laugh, lift others up, and connect with amazing people. We'll talk about working out, being healthy, business, kids, marriage, all the things that make up our messy lives. And we want to share happy vibes. Okay, here we are, Rachel, episode six. Vibes, happy vibes, and we have we have boys with us. Oh, we have stinky, <laughs> stinky boys with us. <laughs> they look great. I mean, not to say I did just shower, but they look great. It's so fun. We when was the last time we were all like On together you? in person? Oh, I bet you. I bet you. I had hair then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I see it on your face, Bill. That's good. Just yeah. fell down. Yeah. <laughs> Just migrated. So That's we are here, and I'll let Rachel introduce our guest because they're her boyfriends. And <laughs> we... <laughs> did your husband listen to this? No. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to talk about living out loud, meaning like just living your best life. And that's basically what we're going to chat about if we can stay on topic. So you will you please introduce our boys? Yes. So Kim and I first connected when we went to Disney's college program. Okay. And this was back in 1993. Bill will give all the specifics on what t-shirts we were wearing when we met. But the four of us here, Chris Henson, Bill Osterreich, Kim Osterreich, but it wasn't that back then. And then myself, we all auditioned or applied for the college program through Disney. And we were all coming from different walks of life, different places and different seasons of our life. Um, I know I was, you know, dumb and 20. And uh, I mean, now I'm, you know, just a different age, but I am. Um, I say now I'm dumb and 50. Yeah. <laughs> but we all took a risk to step out into the unknown and into the uncertainty. And this was kind of a, a big platform. I know it was, uh, it made an impact in my life. And so I'm just here to, I think we're all here just to kind of sh- share what did that program, what did that season do for you in your life? What, what was that all about? Not all, I mean, and then Bill, yes, I know you're going to talk about how you fell heavenly in love with your wife and now you're married and have you like 15 kids and all that stuff. But there's other things that happen too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he had all those other kids. No, no, I included the ducks. Right no, I included all the ducks. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have a conversation about those other kids. This was adding the ducks. We oh. have 11 ducks. And four kids. Four Got kids. It. Yeah. I think it's fun. Maybe I'll just start with the first question, too, is Chris, what about you? I mean, we're all on different, different places now. You're in Georgia at the moment. You live there, but I know you've yeah. also lived in... Atlanta, Georgia too. And you've been all over the place, but what was Disney kind of a stepping stone for you back then? I was attending Clemson University and uh, not doing too well academically. So I needed a semester off. So I did not, I interviewed with the Disney uh, program in December during exams. So I found myself four weeks later in Orlando, Florida. So it was just the time I grew up in a town of about 10,000 people in Georgia and uh, Clemson University is in a rural area. So I was really looking forward to an experience with people from all over the United States, 
also all over the world. I went down there the first week in January and I walked into my apartment at Vista Way and I had gentlemen from Morocco, a gentleman from Italy, a gentleman from Chicago and a gentleman from France. So you can imagine, I think everybody understood everybody except for me. So I think the guy from Chicago was my translator, but um, it was just going to an area, taking that risk, going to an area where initially you are uncomfortable and challenged, but the reward was great because it was probably uh, one of the best seasons of my life during that time. Mm -hmm. So I think I fully believe everything happens for a reason. And so I know we were all down there together experiencing something that we probably never experienced like that before, you know? Yeah. At that age, I was, um, I had just turned 20. I totally feel that because I've told Rachel this, but just to repeat it, when I graduated from high school, I went to a college that was like 15 minutes from where I grew up. And my mother actually was a professor at the college I went to. So I, I always okay. say, even though I lived on campus, I never really left home because I'm like, right. hey, mom, what you doing? You know, like I would pop by her office every day and see her. So for me, going to Disney was literally the first time I'd ever left home. Oh, I man. finished college the semester before we started. So I actually f- didn't have any classes. I, I graduated in three and a half years. So I just had a free semester and just went down because I'd never left home. And my dad was like, sure, I'll pay your bills. You go. And I was like, okay. So, but it was really a leap of faith because I'd never left home ever. Brave, bravery right there. That's awesome. What about you, Bill? Tell me your story. What got you to Disney? Well, Rachel, I, (laughs) I was working, I was going to Penn State at the time and I was working at the inn on campus and there was a I was in the banquet department and there was a guy there that his nickname was Disney. And one night I'm working, I used to set up tables for banquets and I'm working one night. I'm like, what's the deal with uh, your nickname being Disney? Like, I love Disney. What's why they call you Disney? I think his name was Dave. I don't even remember his real name. Like, it's just everybody called him Disney. He said, well, last year I went and did the Disney college program. And I was like, well, what is that? He said, and he explained it to me. And I said, that sounds amazing. And at the time I was a senior. I, with with three years still to go. Well, yeah, <laughs> I ended up, I mean, I ended up taking five years to get through college. Okay. And, 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 uh, but I do remember needing a change. Like I just, I was working about 40 to 50 hours a week was as a banquet manager while going to school. And I just was burned out. And after talking to, to Di- this guy, Disney, I said, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. And I remember the school newspaper had this classified ad, which is for you young ones. This is where the paper has a picture of like a ad that tells me what's going on. And uh, it said, look who's coming to campus. And it was Mickey Mouse. And so I went and interviewed. And again, like, like you, Chris, I mean, it was like late November. And they said, you're going to get a little envelope or you're going to get a big envelope. If you get the big envelope, you've been accepted into the program. So I remember getting that envelope. It was big running up the stairs in my apartment, ripping it open. I'm like, you've been accepted to Disney college program. I'm like, yes, amazing. You're a custodian. And I was like, what a custodian? Like I, I, my first choice was attractions. Like my second choice wasn't even custodian, but it ended up you know, as most of us know now, it ended up being one of the best 
jobs you could have as a cast member was being the custodian because you got to you got to go everywhere in the park you got to change costumes you you know you got to interact with guests all the time so but for me it was that it was it was like i just need a change and also pennsylvania winters in state college in the mountains are brutal <laughs> yeah i went to a rainy football game there once i think it was bleeding yeah. <laughs> and it was in october <laughs> And Georgia weather, we're still swimming. And I went with Birkenstocks and blue jeans and a short yeah. sleeve shirt. And it we, sleeted the entire game. It was so cold yeah. there. Yes. That was the last yeah. time we were all together. I, I think. think so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but I have chills when you guys are all talking about Disney. I mean, just hearing your voices and your experience, like it brings back so many good vibes to me. Ugh. I love it. And I do have to say, one of my friends, her daughter just got accepted to the college program, oh. a local friend, and she is going awesome. for springtime. I don't know when that starts for her, but it's pretty soon. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, you won't believe it. I'm still talking to my friends. Oh, it's just wonderful. You know, and she is super excited. And, you know, well, I vomited all over her mom about how great it was. <laughs> nice. I was going to say, unfortunately, you know that Vista Way is no longer there. It's there, but it's no longer the college program property. It's no closed. way. Right. I yeah. heard that. To so. like, like Rachel Rowdy? <laughs> I'm like, can we have a moment of silence? What happened? Well, something about, I was going to make a bad joke here, something about the hot tubs and, and doing water samples. But um, I think it's you know, where just, the they, pandemic they, began. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's but it's, uh, yeah. They, yeah. they built all new, they all new digs for those guys and they're beautiful. And, wow. uh, I'm, I'm in the Disney college program alumni group on Facebook, which has like a tremendous amount of, they used to be active there. Now they've moved over to a, a, their own like web program. And I don't think anybody is actually monitoring it anymore, but there's been a lot of posts in there about uh, the demise of Vista way and oh. people still go by there that are alumni and take pictures of them in front of the sign. Like, oh guys, I'm, I'm here at Vista Way. It has so many memories. So. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. So what have y'all done since, like it's been how many years, Bill? Next year is 30 years. 30 years. We, Rachel and I are so bad at these dates. Anyways, 30 years. So if there was like a handful of things that you still do that's kind of living out loud that you kind of gave yourself permission again to do since then is, is anybody have anything i mean i feel like chris is always doing this like this is, yeah <laughs> you both are super cool i mean that's why we yeah. invited you on you both are doing so many cool things and making an impact so i love let talk tell us tell us all chris tell us about uganda i was a tourism traveling tourism major and i was working at the hyatt and wasn't getting a lot of personal satisfaction so i completed my master's in special ed i taught 14 years in atlanta special needs and then one of my friends one summer asked me to go hear the Uganda Children's Choir. And I'm thinking, no, this is summertime. I'm free, teacher. I'm going to just live a life that I enjoy, right, in, in that season. And he kept hounding me. So long story short, just to get him to stop bothering me, I went to hear it. And my life was forever changed. I went in 2007 for the first time to Uganda. And we helped build an orphanage 
And I met a gentleman by the name of Innocent, and I prayed that I would never be back in a bubble. And I came back, and my life had tremendously changed. Um, 2011, I started a nonprofit called Grace for Education. And so in 2015, I sold basically everything I owned except my mattress and a cabinet, something where I put my clothes in. I don't know the correct terminology. I guess dresser. And I moved to Uganda. And uh, I had seven kids for 13 years, and it's just been amazing. We took on seven more. And so you're talking about taking a risk, but I totally believe that when you live by faith and you're called to do something, then it's going to be an amazing journey and you just have to go with it. Um, there were a lot of unknowns at that time. I was battling a, a medical issue, and that's persisting, and that's why I'm back. I, you know, you're thinking you're going to live the rest of your life in Uganda. You're loving it, and then you know there's an obstacle thrown in your way, and you come back for a two week home visit, and then you're going back to Uganda, and things change. And you know, one thing I've always said is I would never live in my hometown again. And I'm not going to work for the family business. My parents opened a hospice about 23 years ago. So, you know, Uganda is still happening. Uh, the kids are doing great. Right now, I'm a chaplain for hospice. So from about 7.30 till about 12.30, I go in and minister to people that are terminally ill. And they teach me talking about taking risks. You know, they're just amazing. I thoroughly enjoy it. And then after that, about one o'clock, I go in and I'm the people director for Chick-fil-A in our local town. So those are two huge platforms that never, ever did I ever think that I would be a part of because I was a missionary and special ed teacher, not management and not dealing with death. But I feel like just as I was called to Uganda, I'm called here for a season. And I'm looking forward to whatever that looks like in the next adventure. So I think the love for others and humility and the service for others, wherever they are, Uganda, dying, got the wrong sauce in the bag. You know, those are things that, you know, when you serve others, no matter what you're dealing with, will always bring you joy and peace. It does for me. It truly does. And it's, now, it's been an amazing journey and I just can't, I'm looking forward to what's next. I just love that. And um, thank you. I mean, I, yes, yeah, serving others. I think that goes back to our orientation at Disney. That was such an impactful moment that where we learned that we every, no matter what is given to us that day, right? There is an opportunity for magic. There is an opportunity to serve others. And I too, I was like, I do not, those poor custodians, oh my gosh. And by the, the end of like the first week, you guys coming back and telling us about all the opportunities that you had, even though, you know, at first we were like, someone's gonna have to clean up vomit, you know, um, that you guys were all dressed in white and having all this time with people. I was so envious of that interaction that you guys had. And it goes back because we were so fired up from that orientation. Do you remember those days? What did they call it? What did they call the Disney orientation? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, He's going to say Let's it come later back to tonight. that, Rachel, because- We will circle back to you. But anyway, <laughs> I that same, that's that. serving others- Traditions. In, Traditions. 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 That's right. Yes. That's right. 
Yes. Thank you. Way to recover. Um, your fitness report is a big check again for your memory. Um, <laughs> but yeah, during traditions, I feel like that's what kind of lit it up for all of us as far mm -hmm. as we do get an opportunity no matter what season we're in or what we're doing or what stressors coming our way that we get to see it in a better light. The obstacles, the way is where how I live now, like everything is an opportunity to see it in a different light. And so, you know, the cruddy stuff is an opportunity for growth, for learning, all of those things, or for better connection with people. I just, I, the traditions was super impactful. <laughs> And everything that I've and, done too. And you think about that uh, with Bill and I both being custodians, a dirty job, right? Pouring the bovan on the vomit and making the small world the perfect place, even when the guests have left their cameras and wallets and everything out there. You know, it's just, <laughs> you're there for the people. And I think no matter where you are in your life, in your season, things change in our own lives. Each one of us have changes, some good, some bad. But that doesn't change our purpose to serve others. I think the, that job, everybody from the outside would see, oh, man, that's rough. But our focus was on the people. You know, Rachel and I have talked about this actually in earlier episodes, but it was almost easier to serve the people as a custodian than in food service, right? Like, because food service, right. if you've uh, ever been to Disney, <laughs> yeah. ordering food at one of the restaurants is not when people are in their happiest place. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, right. you know, oh. as college kids working there, we were in charge of the price of pizza and French fries. Like, absolutely. My fault, right? <laughs> <laughs> so people were complaining and it just isn't, it's the happiest place on earth until you're in food service, right? So I learned a lot about just sucking it up and not worrying about it. You know, like people are going to be grumpy today and then they're going to go eat their food and they're going to get on, you know, some attraction and be happy. I just need to make sure I do my part so that it's as happy as it can be for them. Yeah, because I think a lot about, Chris, you and I, we got to be official photographers without being official photographers. I mean, <laughs> we were great entertainment. Uh, I, I even remember while people lined up for the three o'clock parade and we're sitting on the curb, I would keep magic tricks in my rain pouch and I would stop and do little magic tricks for the kids that were getting a little out of control. You know, you could see them getting antsy and... If you remember too, people could smoke in the park back then. So a oh, lot yes. of our job was sweeping up cigarette butts. Yeah. And I remember yes. a few of the custodians and I would play street hockey with cigarette butts with our pan and broom. You know, you'd like kind of get across the street and try and shoot it across into your 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 buddies. But it was all entertaining guests, you know. That was a fantastic, fantastic position to have. Little did I know when I opened that envelope and thinking it was the end of the world, that it was going to be one of the best things to do there. Mm -hmm. Right. So Bill, you recently took on a little bit of a project, speaking of living out loud, because it's, it's kind of loud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want to share what you just did, like a 30 year dream that you just realized? Yeah, so uh, I got a, a 1967 VW Beetle back in 1988 from my grandmother. I drove it from Florida to Pennsylvania and the engine was struggling to make the trip and I parked it and started working on this car with this delusional dream that I was going to make a show car out of this because believe it or not, there is a magazine called Hot VWs, okay? Yeah, dune buggies and hot VWs. In the car culture, every brand of car has its loyal following and VWs are kind of a cult following. Well, I took the car apart 
not understanding what I was getting into. And of course, I take the car apart in high school. I go off to college. So now it's in my parents' garage in pieces. In college, I do the Disney college program. I meet Kim. My life is forever changed. Like I could care less about anything else. Okay. I just wanted to get to North Carolina as fast as I could. So you finished 47 semesters of college. Yeah. So I had a, I had a year of school to finish after the college program. So I go back to state college for a year. We live this. It's funny when we talk, we talk about this with the kids. Cause like, yeah, we couldn't make long distance phone calls cause they cost money back then. So we would buy a calling card and we would punch these numbers in and be like, you have 10 minutes left on your calling card. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, much and after nine, it's always cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And that's right. Kim and I wrote letters to each other. Like we wrote letters and I actually still, I saved them cause I'm a sap, but I, I have them in this, uh, old Glenn Fittich like container that, cause I used to work in the, the bar department and it didn't line in. So I would like, Oh, here's a cool empty container. So I have all these letters and, and occasionally on our wedding anniversary, I'll, I'll break them out and, uh, read them back to each other, which is kind of, it's kind of neat to see how people wrote letters back then. But anyway, long story short, the car sat for a long time. We get married. As soon as we bought a house here, my dad was like, woohoo, you're getting your car. Like I want my garage back. So he put the car in a U-Haul and drove it down to North Carolina, pack it in my garage. And now we have a young family and it's one of those projects where you're like, that's going to require a lot of money to get it the way I want it and a lot of time and too busy with, you know, teaching martial arts and trucking kids around to music lessons and church and everything. So that car sat for a long time. And fast forward to shutdown of COVID, I made the decision. I told Kim, cause I'm like, look, I go out there, I look at this car and I either need to get rid of it or I need to do something about it because it almost was like this burden on my soul that it's something that I wanted to do for so long. And then I, I wasn't doing, mm -hmm. and I know how to set goals. I, I know all about goal setting and, but I wasn't putting it into practice on that car. And so I decided that I was going to work on that car a little bit every single day and see where I got with it. Well, it took me like 18 months and I, it's, I got it together and I showed it this past January in Raleigh. And I got a, I got a little trophy is I was in the top nice. 40, you don't know nice, but I can Do just I say see I was, on the bookcase. Oh, well, I'll uh, go, no, no, go it, get it. I, I'll, I'll go, go get it. Go <laughs> get it. It's, it's a cool little plaque. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's together. And I'm actually putting a stereo system in it this weekend because that was another part of my dream. And, and so I actually sold a bunch of old parts that I wasn't using to make the money to put the stereo in it. So yeah, next week when I'm driving around in that car with the stereo jumping, that's going to be, be like, the you'll realization. be able to hear it on the West. Is it a yeah, cassette tape or what kind of stereo are you putting in? <laughs> eight, eight track. Eight track. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. Here's nice. my class. Yeah. So like, it's, it's cool because it is, it is a realization of a dream and, and, uh, I, I do get to live out loud literally cause it does have a loud exhaust um, <laughs> when I'm driving around town and it's cool. People give me thumbs up and stop to fill it with gas and people like stop to talk to me and I'm like, this is cool. Like, so it's That's opportunity awesome. to connect. Yeah. And what a cool yeah. thing you can pass along, uh, to the next generation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It, and honestly, my, my youngest daughter, she, she loves it. She's probably the most likely candidate to 
you know, carry on the tradition with that car. It's Very the cool. Very cool. I think sometimes, Rachel, we've talked about this before. We we give up on things, right? And we stop dreaming and we and and I think the car is such a good example of that. Even if you've given up on something, if it's still nagging at you, right? Like look into it deeper. See if it's possible. Because like Bill said, the money was an issue, the time was an issue, this was an issue, there was always an issue, but, and I can remember how many times he said, I'm gonna be in the garage for 15 minutes. And that's all he had that day. Like literally, that's all the time he had that day was 15 minutes, but he was like, you know what? That's 15 minutes towards getting the car put together. So it sometimes you can do it in little bits of time. You don't have to say, I need five hours a day to do something. No so. one has an extra five hours a day to do anything these days anyway. So yeah, it really is about creating, creating some structure, you know, giving a little bit of time to build your dream. I think, you know, we, well, we did talk about how our dream makers are get broken as we adult, right? Like, because it's all about grocery shopping or paying the bills or doing all of those things. And, and we all knew each other when our, you know, our life was lives were really just starting. You know, I was driving home and the bird, you know, the, the head gasket died on me and I, you know, and I had to restart again after that, but I, uh, <laughs> it was a long drive home after Disney, but it was, um, everything is a new start, a new season. And I think when we were in it, we were enjoying it. We were living, you know, we were living big. We were loving big. We were dreaming big. We were, we just, everything was open, right? Like all the opportunity and potential was, was there. We just went in with an open heart going into that situation. I know for me, Bill, like I was over my situation. I was, I need, I was burnt out. I needed a new situation. I needed a new season I needed to get out of, you know, piecing it all together, working my, you know, working a ton and going to school and doing all these things that weren't really going the way I thought they were going to go. And, and so, yeah, when you go into something with an open heart, you never know what's possible. Yeah. Very true. I know Disney's totally different now than it was when we were there, but when we were all there, what was your favorite ride? And like, do you have a memory of like a cool, like a cool Disney memory? Like what is one of your, about the park? I would say. I mean, definitely Splash Mountain. Yeah. I mean, yeah. definitely Splash. I mean, I think Bill and I rode it one night. It was right at closing and we just raced to the park yeah. and stayed on it. Yeah. Like we didn't even get off it. We just stayed on it and rode it for like an hour or something. Thanks like, to some just, fellow cast members that were like, yeah, no, you can just stay on. Just yeah. stay on. You know, I was. I think I was there too, because did they stop it that one time? One time they stopped it for us. And I remember Bear Rabbit's like, bah, 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 you know, at the very top. <laughs> and, and he's just like, bah, 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 bah. and it was, we knew people who were running that ride. And, but yeah. it was nighttime and all the lights were shining and we were sitting, you know, we were up there on the top. We we're just like, ah, you know, it was so, that's so oh, cool. Yeah. Even though we've been down that hill a thousand times. <laughs> Gosh, Rachel, I'm right. sitting here thinking like, Speaking of Frontierland, I remember the day Michael Jackson came to the park. Yes. I remember them saying, you're not allowed to tell any guests that Michael Jackson is here. And so the the three o'clock parade would come through and it would end in Frontierland. I was working in Frontierland. The parade was coming through and they kept the parade going once it went backstage for Michael Jackson. And I remember standing there and I looked over and he was probably 50 feet away from me. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, that's Michael Jackson right there. So the parade was continuing just for him so that he could stay out of the crowds. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that. So it's just one of those memories. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was 50 feet away from Michael Jackson, you know? So, I have yeah, chills again. That's awesome. It just didn't happen at Epcot. Yeah, no, it didn't happen in your rainbow bright outfit. No, no. I don't even have a rainbow bright anymore. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> in my polyester purple rainbow Epcot. costume. Experimental polyester costumes of tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Chris, what was your one of one of your memories of the of the park? I think I think my favorite ride, no doubt, was the teacups. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, mine was <laughs> mine was mine was Splash Mountain. Mine was definitely Splash Splash Mountain, just because. Those are the stories that I grew up hearing about the Briar Patch and everything. So I thoroughly enjoyed that ride. I think one of the funniest times was my first day. I was by beside the small world. I'll never forget it. It was my first time where you're out sweeping the streets. Um, and I was between uh, Peter Pan and small world. And I was right up under the sky buckets. Uh, the ski, sky lift or whatever it was called. Bill will know exactly. Um, but there was a guest, I assume, who threw a cigarette into the trash can and it literally was smoking. Now, literally, this is my first day. And so I am, I, I take the lid off the trash can and I'm beating it with my broom. And I'll never forget one of our managers. I think his name was Doug at the time. He said, Chris, you know, you're on stage right now. You need to drag the trash container to the back of the house and then we can put it out. So I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, it, it was just, you're always on stage. And I think the other memories of, you know, Disney is an expensive place uh, for a vacation. And I just remember, you know, talking to several families, like this was a chance of their lifetime. Right. And just yeah. making those connections, people that came from England yeah. and people. And then, you know, the, you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the kids that, you know, this was their wish mm. and just those things. And then I remember Full House. Uh, they were down there oh with gosh. the twins and everything. And so, you know, the and the Rippers. Right. It wasn't just one thing, but it was just a collection. And there it was. It's all the focus of the people, you know, and the experiences. So I think that would be some of mine, but not the teacups. Yeah. Bill and I just said, when you said um, make a wish, remember volunteers? volunteers Did like, y'all do volunteers? Yes. Mm -hmm. At the, uh, what was it? Give kids the world, their, their village. Cause it was, I didn't it was, remember the name of the that, village. For those that don't that. know, Bill knows. So, so when, when people go to Disney on a make a wish it, you might have the, the whole family's going and, you know, being the caretaker of a special needs child or a child that has got a terminal illness or just an illness in general is very stressful and very taxing. And the, they had this village where the kids would go and volunteers from the Disney college program and other, other parts of the Disney company would come and watch the kids and let the parents go out for a night. So you got to spend time in, in this uh, incredible place with all these kids that uh, were there on their make a wish vacation while the parents got to go take a break. And so I still actually have the t-shirt. We still have our t-shirts. Wow. So y'all did that. I had never, no. I never knew that. 
Man, mm-hmm. I wonder if my cast member status will allow me to just do that. No, it sounds cool to do. I did not do it either. I thought I did, but I did not do that. Yeah, we have, we have yellow, bright yellow t-shirts that has like Mickey Mouse, like the, almost the hat. And then across it, it says volunteers, ears. Like, like ears. Okay. Because I remember that t-shirt. I remember the yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And for me, I, one of the things I remember about being there was the kids were so excited that their parents weren't there because these are kids that are like, they're not in school. They're not, you know what I mean? They're always with their parents and they're like, they weren't missing their parents. They were like, woohoo, a night without mom and dad, you know, and they're at Disney. And so it was just one of those things that was such a memorable experience for me to just see the joy of, and they're in a not joyful you know, health situation. Right. So, Chris, you totally reminded me though of that when when Full House was there uh, recording because Kim and I went. Well, a bunch of us went to be extras in the crowd in front of Cinderella's castle while Jesse and the Rippers right. played. Yeah. And right. You can pull that episode on YouTube and and you're like, gosh, if they would have filmed this in 4K back then, we could have zoomed in and like, so there we are, we're right there. But instead, it's like there's just blurry people all around the front of the castle. You know what I mean? Those, <laughs> or they those eight millimeter. You wouldn't ask for royalties. Man, yeah. <laughs> those eight millimeter reels, they just don't do what they can nowadays. <laughs> and I remember that night, Bob Saget did some stand-up comedy kind of between takes. And I remember going, wow, you, you know, you have this impression of everybody on Full House being this clean cut, wholesome people. And he kind of told some dirty jokes and we were all kind of like, whoa, Bob Saget, you know, it's like, <laughs> I remember that. Man. That is so awesome. any closing thoughts on living out loud, advice for people listening, something that you've, you're, you know, we've talked a lot about Disney, but anything else that you're just so glad you did, like in your life that maybe was Disney was a launching pad for, or just basic advice for living out loud. I've got, I've got something. This, this quote came to me while I was um, talking about the car. It's like, don't let the size of the goal and how long it's going to take deter you from trying to achieve that goal because the time is going to pass anyway. So you yeah. might as well work towards the goal, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I always thought that was great advice. It's like the time's going to pass anyway. Okay. So like, right. do it. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the thing is, I think when we went down to Disney, I know for myself, I had enough money probably for a jar of peanut butter and to get down there. Mm -hmm. Very limited financially. And so teaching, still a little bit limited financially. But when I moved to Uganda, you know, I lived on $8,000 a year. And so don't allow money or you know, obviously everybody needs money. However, don't let money constrain how you can serve people because you can serve them with very little. And I think one of my main quotes that I love is Charles Spurgeon. He says, by perseverance, the snail made it to the ark. And whatever your goal is, I think of, I think of Bill and his car and just the perseverance that he never got rid of it. Uh, he continued perseverance, 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 and um, now he's getting to see the fruit of it. And so I think with whatever goal, you just pursue it and stick with it. Yeah, that's great. I, I hear nothing but abundant hearts in this conversation, abundance and dreams and abundance and actions and love and ugh, 
It's just so wonderful. I feel like we should all just do this all the time. I mean, that's why Kim and I do a podcast just to share our messy lives. But it's so fun to to get everyone's different perspectives and experiences and memories that I have forgotten. <laughs> so thank you, Bill, for bringing that back to life, bringing things back to life. But yeah, thank you guys. This has been super fun. Well, and think about it. Think about it, Rachel. If we all hadn't stepped out to live big, to go to Disney, we wouldn't have met each other. And it's yeah. like, when you step out to do something big, you, you meet people along the way that end up become, they cha- they literally change your life. Like I met my wife there, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I went all the way down the East coast to meet my wife. And it, it was just, you know, that's just something to think about. Like you, you never know what's going to happen in the process of just stepping out into the unknown. It reminds me of something I say all the time, faith over fear. Yeah. Every day, mm-hmm. faith uh, over fear. If you can live. Absolutely. Put faith first and fear second. Amazing things happen because I, I, we all did that. It was a leap of faith, literally. Yes. And, you know, does I think back and I'm like, Bill's parents let him get in that car and drive. Like, my car was pretty reliable, right? <laughs> How many people had a reliable car? I mean, I did. I had a, well, you y'all to, know, because we so all piled know. into my yeah. car to go yeah. everywhere. Right? This was not my Volkswagen. My Volkswagen was not even running. This was a 1982 Chevrolet, Chevrolet Citation that... Made it on a wing and a prayer, basically. So, yeah. Speaking but, of like, that, and we went to a Bon Jovi concert. That was amazing with our yes. lighters, you know, and all the songs <laughs> came on. And I mean, now we those are cell phones, Rachel. Yeah, now they're cell phones. We floated the river. Remember, my cousins got us all. We got to float oh, yeah. the river. And and that was super fun. I went skydiving one time. I mean, like. And then we, the cruise. Oh, we went on the cruise in the smallest <laughs> rooms on the planet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had, I mean, I came back with like 27 cents in my pocket. And, you know, I mean, you know, when I first started. Heart, out, heart full of memories. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So many. I, thank you for bringing them all back to life. <laughs> for me too it's easy to forget so i guess we need to get the rest of the gang together sometime soon too oh yes absolutely thank you all for coming thanks for being willing to to share your memories and your insight and your abundant hearts and um with us and with all the other thousands of people who will listen to this wonderful podcast if you are listening please leave us a a positive review please like us please subscribe and do all the things that they tell you to do at the end of podcasts for us. Um, We are here to just help everybody shine their light, live fully and, you know, make no excuses for what you want to create in your life. You just do it right. You do great things. So thank you for, for coming guys. Thanks for listening to messy lives and happy vibes with Kim and Rachel. Please rate review and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And we'll talk to you next time.